the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The preceding program's views, claims, or representations may not reflect those of AM 1420 The Answer or Salem Media Group. The following is a true story. I had a lady that was in her mid-70s, and I'd sold her timeshare, and that was the lowest I'd ever felt in my life. I knew then that I had to do something to simply not to go to hell for selling timeshare. Chuck McDowell founded Wesley Financial Group to help folks cancel their timeshares permanently. Called her and everybody that I'd sold timeshare to, and I said, this is what I said to you that was a lie, and this is what you need to do to cancel your timeshare. From that point, people started referring friends to me to help them cancel the timeshare, and that's how it all started. I fought the world's largest timeshare company in federal court. If I had lost that lawsuit, there would be no one helping people that have been lied to when they bought timeshare. If we take you as a client, we will cancel your timeshare or we'll give your money back. That's what makes us different. Call Wesley Financial Group now for a free information kit. 800-707-8989. That's 800-707-8989. 800-707-8989. There are two radio stations in this city that aren't like any others. One gives you the real news and issues and honest analysis from some of the best talkers in America. The other gives you music and entertainment that's safe for the whole family. Something you and your kids can actually listen to together. Oh yeah, we're different, all right. For real news and information, turn to AM 1420, The Answer. And for entertainment, safe for the whole family, turn to 95.5, The Fish. Because different is good. Dennis Prager reflects on the past year. This uh, has been a very, very bad year. I don't think I've ever said that in my 35 years of broadcasting. It was a bad year. The virus is not the biggest reason it was a bad year. The response to the virus, the use of the virus, those are what really made it bad. The Dennis Prager Show, weekdays at 1, right before Sebastian Gorka at 3, on AM 1420, The Answer, and on Radio.com. You're always in good company with Tom Kelly. Every Sunday at noon, here on AM 1420, The Answer. This is AM 1420, The Answer. WHK W273DG Cleveland, a service of Salem Media Group. WHK Cleveland. The following program's views, claims, or representations may not reflect those of AM 1420, The Answer, or Salem Media Group. It's a fact. If the riches of the wealthy were suddenly given to the average American, the rich would have most of their wealth back in no time at all. Not because they're more deserved, but because they do a great job of getting us to spend it back to them. And once in their hands, they work it to their self-interest. The host of Get Rich Slow, Jim McAleese, believes the financial decisions you make today will guide your financial destiny tomorrow. Jim teaches you to plan for the worst and then hope for the best. America is under no obligation to provide what you need. Entitlements are out. Opportunity is today's watchword. Money matters can be intimidating, but they don't have to be. So start or supercharge your wealth-building plan now with Jim McAleese. Return for grace, I'm Jim McAleese, Certified Financial Planner and President of Cornerstone Consultants Incorporated, where Securities and Investment Advisory Services are offered to Next Financial Group Incorporated. Jim is a member of Finra and Civic, 
cornerstone consultants is not an affiliate of Next Financial Group. Well, welcome to Spring in Northeast Ohio. Today is the official start of spring, and it looks like a great start. The sun is shining, the temperatures are rising, the birds are singing. How can it get any better than this? I saw my first focus started to flower this uh, past week, and temperatures are getting into the 60s this coming week. Uh, I'm, I'm going to be running around here looking for daffodils to start blooming. So, hey, this is great. I see the green shoots everywhere. There are the rabbits are out there trying to do their thing about nipping them off, but sooner or later I've got more green shoots than I have rabbits, so I know I'll get ahead of the game. So, it's still chilly, but it's the start of spring, and uh, what's to be expected? Old man winter, he never gives up easily. I was out in the backyard this week looking for some uh, winter damage, and what I found was kind of minimal, but I still found a lot of ideas for my to-do list. So I'll be waiting for the ground to dry up and for the temperatures to rise a little bit so I can get working out there and doing some good. And uh, when we start, I'll be working off the easy one first, but I'll be working until we get that to do first to do list. There's always more than one to do list. I'll get that first one finished. Remember the old farming saying, you never plow a field by turning it over in your mind. So you do have to get over there and, and turn some dirt over. So we need to get started early. And in between stores, we can check out our financial planning and investment. This week, global equity markets were mixed. Basically, uh, Europe was okay, Asia was okay, all the U.S. stock indices were slightly negative, but uh, the big principal cause seemed to be the different uh, different estimates of uh, future inflation and then causing volatility in the U.S. Treasury bond market. Investors are guessing how high, how fast uh, inflation will go, whether it'll be temporary whether it'll be just keep on going up and won't turn around. Um, these, uh, this, the symptom of all this is the rise in the 10-year Treasury. It re- has risen from uh, uh, 0.93% at the start of the year to 1.73% on, on uh, Friday. So if invest- investors uh, anticipate higher inflation, then they, they necessarily demand a higher return for their money. After the, uh, the Federal Reserve Federal Open Market Committee meeting on Wednesday, the Federal Reserve Chairman, uh, Jerome Powell, he pledged to keep monetary policy easy for an extended period. And uh, then uh, uh, bond yields kind of uh, quieted down, but then on Thursday, uh, they began to rise sharply. So. At the post-meeting news conference, uh, Jerome Powell outlined uh, that the central bank would stick to its new framework of average inflation targeting, which would, in, in theory, only see the uh, central bank contemplate less accommodative policy if inflation managed a sustained overshoot of 2%. So basically, by confirming the Fed's willingness to stand that, even if inflation saw a temporary surge beyond 2%, he's basically raising the probability the economy will run hot for the next few years and investors uh, uh, shouldn't worry about the uh, central bank, uh, the Federal Reserve, pulling away from the, pulling the uh, punch bowl away from the party. In that scenario, basically long-term uh, bond yields will have little protection against the risk of an inflationary surge. I think in, in that case, people were expecting him to try to protect the uh, uh, the, the uh, longer-term bonds by selling uh, uh, by buying more of the long-term bonds. But he basically said, no, we're going to, we have a policy right now, uh, and we're going to keep doing what we're going to do, and we're going to do it even if inflation picks up and even if rates go up, as long as we can keep that federal funds rate down uh, to where we want it. Uh, so 
In any case, there's a lot of unknowns here with regard to inflation. And given the enormous uncertainty about inflation and the economic growth as the economy fully reopens and the stimulus makes its way into the uh, household pockets, it'll be difficult to know where uh, the Fed fund, the Fed policy should be in a year's time. So let's not, let's not let a little volatility get in the way of the big picture. And the big picture is the U.S. economy is primed for a big recovery because basically two things. One, the vaccines and the vaccination program will defeat the, the COVID by midsummer. You know, there's caveats on that. What happens if a new uh, variant comes along? What happens if the thing gets more deadly? Uh, there's all sorts of things there. But basically, uh, we do have a whole vaccine development uh, capability now that is churning out vaccines like they're going out of style. And uh, the other thing is, the other part, too, is that the federal, uh, according to the Wall Street Journal, the federal government basically has primed the pumps with over $6 trillion in fiscal stimulus. It's, uh, and there'll probably be another uh, 2 to $4 trillion coming in the uh, infrastructure relief bill. You know, they've been talking about that. They talked about that originally. They were going to get this uh, rescue bill passed, and then we're going to work on the infrastructure bill. Well, they got the rescue bill passed. That's the $1.9 billion, and now they're going to look at this infrastructure bill, and uh, that'll probably be another budget re- reconciliation similar to the American Rescue Plan that was just passed. So, hey, what you're seeing is we're coming out of the COVID. We'll probably be out of it by midsummer, and uh, we're also uh, uh, priming the pump in terms of this um, uh, stimulus like it's going out of style. But in the big picture, basically gone from losing the uh, uh, from losing the uh, the COVID war to starting to turn the corner and beginning to drive the numbers down. So the tempo of vaccinations, I remember I talked uh, I'm couple months ago about they were something like 600,000 vaccinations a, a day nationally, and now they're up to two and a half million vaccinations a day, which is kind of uh, pushing the, uh, the production of the vaccines. In other words, we've got three major vaccine producers. We've got uh, Pfizer and uh, BioNTech, that's one of them, and then we've got... Uh, Moderna, and that's another one. And then we've got Johnson and Johnson, and uh, uh, basically each one of those, the, the first two, anyhow, Pfizer and Moderna, they committed to a hundred million uh, uh, doses a quarter. In other words, a quarter is three months. So basically, they're saying a hundred million doses a quarter means one point one million doses per day. And so I got two of these guys, and so I got 2.2 uh, million doses per day, and then there's another 100 million Johnson and Johnson, but I'm not quite sure what their schedule looks like. But we are, uh, the United States is vaccinating at uh, two and a half million per day. So uh, that should be just a little shy of the uh, production rate. So according to the Wall Street Journal uh, calculations, the U.S. is basically five months away from uh, immunizing 75% of the U.S. population. And uh, basically, according to Fauci and the rest of the experts, uh, that's supposed to be the idea of uh, herd immunity, where enough people are immune that uh, if somebody gets sick with the COVID, it's very difficult to transmit it to another person because the other person they're going to transmit to, they've got to find a person who isn't immune to it, transfer it to. So in addition, basically states are relaxing their lockdown restrictions. And uh, uh, if I take a look and talk, talk to my clients, 
I'm surprised at the number of people who have, uh, 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 you know, two shots or one shot. Uh, in um, I mentioned last week about this uh, Wolstein uh, Center down at the University of uh, Cleveland State University, and they opened that March 17th, and they're going to run that till April 28th. And they're supposedly running it at, I haven't been down there, but uh, they've been running it at seven days a week. And uh, uh, their aim is 6,000 doses of uh, vaccine a day going through there. So if you want to, if you're interested in it, you can go on the uh, on the web at get the shot. That's one word. Uh, get the shot. Dot, uh, coronavirus dot ohio dot gov and um, you can also call uh one eight three three uh four two seven five six three four so um uh, you know there's there's a lot of information out there the important thing is to get signed up somewhere either with your local drugstore or your county board of health or your uh, hospital that you're uh, uh, tied to with your uh, medical insurance, uh, get signed up somewhere and get the vaccine. And uh, uh, I just saw the other day where somebody was mentioning that uh, in Ohio, uh, uh, Ohio and less over 16, they're going to be uh, available for or, uh uh, March 29th. So I can't really believe <laughs> I can't really believe that's true because uh, I talk to my people, my clients, and uh, clients that are generally uh, 50, 60 years old have generally gotten their shots, gotten at least one shot and working on a second shot. Uh, getting down through the rest of the uh, people is going to take more time than I think the end of this month. So, But the important thing is it's out there. They're giving shots at uh, two and a half million uh, vaccinations a day. So get signed up and get your shot. So and basically, it's having a big effect. In other words, if I take a look and say, "Hey, where's the number of cases at? Where's the number of deaths at?" Right now, we're below 50,000 50, new cases per day and fifteen hundred deaths per day. Well, I remember before uh, October of last year. Hell, we were down to uh, uh, something like twenty-five thousand cases per new cases per day, and something like uh, four or five hundred uh, deaths per day. So, we get down into that area, and we'll be uh, on our way to victory for sure. And now, aside from the uh, the uh, the coronavirus war, the other big event uh, was the signing of the one point nine trillion dollar. Uh, American Rescue Plan last week, and it was signed into law Friday of last week, and not the week before. And uh, direct deposits are fourteen hundred dollars are going out. So the next stimulus will be that infrastructure plan, uh, which will be unveiled, I think, in May. That's the things you see in um, uh, the uh, news, and the rumors say that it's going to be a big one. Uh, uh, the old saying in, in Washington is go big or go home. Uh, so it looks like they're going to aim for somewhere between two and four trillion dollars, and they're also talking about tax increases. So you'll get your first visibility, uh, to uh, tax increases necessary to uh, start paying for all this uh, stimulus. Uh, there are several economic reports this week. Uh, some positive, most negative. Uh, I just say that the, Fe the Federal Reserve Open Market Committee uh, they met Tuesday and Wednesday of this week, and uh, uh, the federal officials signaled that uh, they expect to keep things uh, rate close to zero until at least 2024, even if even if they sharply upgrade the U.S. growth forecast because of massive fiscal stimulus and an accelerating vaccine rollout. So uh, we'll see how all that 
plays out. And uh, according to Wall Street, Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell and his colleagues continue to project near zero interest rates, that's for the federal funds rates, through 2023. That's despite upgrading their U.S. economic outlook and uh, the mounting inflation worries in the financial market. Uh, the news release from the Federal Open Market Committee meeting said that, quote, indicators of economic activity and employment have turned up recently, although the sectors most adversely affected by the pandemic remain weak. And they continued on. Inflation continues to run below 2%. And, and that's that's definitely true. If you take a look at the consumer price index or the uh, personal consumption expenditures, both of those are uh, running around one and a half, one point six percent, but uh, over a twelve twelve month period. But uh, the next uh, the next month consumer price index will probably be a little different because it'll includes begin to include uh, February of last year in that twelve month uh, description of inflation and and. Uh, uh, if I remember the inflation numbers for last uh, February and March, they were almost zero. So it'll be it'll make an impact, and then make it look like uh, we've got inflation maybe above two percent. Uh, so um, the uh, asked about the recent uh, move in yields, uh, Jerome Powell pushed back uh, against the idea the Fed would lean against the market. And by lean against the market, they're really saying that, well, the the 10-year rate is is, uh, going up. Are you going to, you as the Federal Reserve, are you going to start buying 10 years uh, to push those rates down, to push those yields down? And he said, no, he's going to just stay with the present present plan, and they're going to, uh, uh, the current stance of the federal policy, and that includes asset purchases uh, where appropriate. And uh, he went on and basically explained that uh, we're a long distance, in his mind, we're a long distance away from a full recovery, where he wants to be, where he wants to go in terms of a full recovery. In other words, he indicated, hey, we still have nine and a half million people unemployed. In terms of the uh, different sectors, in terms of the hospitality sector, we're still short 3 million uh, workers there. Um, That hopefully will be rectified as the uh, economy opens up. Uh, We're standing at 6.2% employment. Uh, We expect to get down to 4.5% unemployment Uh, at the end of this year and and 35 uh, percent uh, unemployment at the end of 2023. So he's basically looking at uh, getting down and making sure all segments of the economy are functioning and with low economy, with low unemployment, uh, before he uh, uh, takes away the punch bowl here. Um, it says inflation will pick up. You'll probably see 2.4 percent in 2021, but it'll be transient, and uh, we expect that it'll it'll go up and it'll come down to around two percent. And then you're going to try to maximize uh, uh, employment and uh, uh, the interest rates, as far as he's concerned. The Fed funds rate will stay at zero to one quarter of a percent. Inflation will be hopefully approximately two percent. And uh, what they'll do is continue keeping that uh, federal funds rate down around one quarter to one uh, to zero percent, and also buying bonds, treasury bonds, at the tune of eight eighty billion dollars per month, and uh, agency mortgage-backed securities from Fannie and Freddie at the tune of forty billion dollars per month. So, uh, so. He just basically summarizes it. We're not going to move until we really see the numbers. We're not going to move based upon expectations and predictions. We basically want to see the numbers, and we're a long way away from where we want to go. So uh, 
That's what the that's what the message was Wednesday from the Federal Reserve. They're going to stay the course, come hell and high water. Uh, in addition to the, the uh, Fed, uh, new home construction is basically uh, they had a report uh, this week on new home construction. That's still on fire in terms of uh, uh, people want to buy houses, particularly with regard to the low interest rates. Now, as the 10% interest rate goes up, those uh, uh, 30-year mortgage rates are going to go up, too. Um, so uh, the, Fed's, the February's uh, pace in terms of uh, permits that start is below January's. But the February pace was still greater than February a year ago. So it's hard to tell what happened in those February numbers, whether it was the uh, increase in the 30-year mortgage rate went up to 3.25% versus uh, the usual 3%, or it was uh, the very fact that uh, home construction is running into uh, production constraints. I mean, they're going flat out. And we're going flat out in January. Uh, they, they can't find the skilled workers. They can't find the uh, building site. Uh, they've got cost increases in lumber and cabinets and everything else. And uh, uh, last uh, month in Texas and, uh, and uh, other parts of the Great Plains, they ended up with a great big storm that, that didn't allow anything to happen. So... We're going to talk about that, the details of that later in the show. Also, industrial production, uh, the the Federal Reserve came out with their industrial production and capacity utilization report uh, this week, and they indicated that industrial production was down 2.2% from uh, January to February. And... uh, uh, that is basically a case of, uh, I mentioned this several times before, that it is not that easy or simple to throttle up an economy. You know, it's it's, it's wonderful that uh, we're throttling up the economy and, and picking up speed, but it's not, uh, there's a lot of what you call good management problems in doing that. I mean, good versus bad management. It's good that, hey, we got to get this problem solved. We can't get the uh, uh, we can't get the goods. We can't get the commitments for the goods. We put in orders. Uh, the, the vendors have to check with their suppliers before they can give us a quote. And there's just so there are all sorts of entropy here in terms of uh, I can't make a bid on the job until I know if I got the materials. And, price of materials, and it's hard to get that uh, because uh, the uh, other demands, other people want the same thing. So uh, it's, it's uh, these are the good job, good good problems in terms of getting the, the uh, economy uh, moving forward again uh, versus the bad <laughs> versus the bad problems. I have, I have no waters and I'm going out of business. That's not the type of problem they've got right now, but it is causing increases in prices and it is causing uh, uh, delays in industrial production. And uh, uh, it's just uh, chaos in the, in the supply chain. And uh, U.S. retail sales even declined in February uh, because of the uh, when inclement weather uh, settled over a large uh, swath of the, comp- of the country. And uh, uh, that represents a temporary setback in demand that uh, we know is going to be accelerated next month. On Tuesday, the U.S. Department of Commerce they reported that retail sales, which are a measure of purchases in stores, restaurants, and online, uh, that fell by 3% in February compared to the prior month. And the... Uh, in the, uh, the prior month, in January, uh, that got up to, I think, 7.6% increase from the previous month. So, and uh, basically, that, that was the case of, hey, here come the, uh, here come the stimulus checks, and uh, 
which you saw that February was kind of sandwiched in between uh, the stimulus check that uh, that came out from the stimulus at the end of, uh, of December and the new stimulus checks that are coming out that have been started to come out uh, last week. So retail activity was hindered basically by by cities across the U.S. experiencing a sub-zero freeze in temperatures and winter storms and overwhelming uh, power grids in Texas and the Great Plains. But still, total retail sales are, are well above the pre-pandemic levels, and they're basically they're set to strengthen into the second quarter as, the, as we receive another round of stimulus checks from the federal government. This basically gives you an idea how critical these stimuluses are until we get clear of this COVID. In other words, uh, uh, everybody's feeling is that, my God, uh, we've got a little too much. We may be doing too much stimulus here, and shouldn't we relax and uh, um, let the... uh, uh, let the economy take over uh, because someday we're going to have to pay for all this stimulus. We've got uh, um, the $4 trillion that was spent on stimulus uh, in 2020. Uh, at least half of that was put on the cuff uh, that was borrowed money, and all of the $1.9 trillion uh, that is going out right now in terms of the American uh, relief uh, bill that is all borrowed money, and we've got another one coming up um, anywhere from two to four trillion sometime in May, which uh, they're going to talk about taxes, but we'll see. We'll see what happens there. So, um, uh, you know, the idea here is that uh, until we get clear of this COVID, uh, these stimuluses are necessary. So. Uh, this is Jim McAleese, and we've been talking about the big picture here, but uh, you can give us a call. There's a big picture and a little picture, a micro picture, macro and micro. And the micro is us, and this is how we're doing our financial plan, and we're not quite sure where the United States is going, but uh, we know that we're so many years away from uh, either getting married and starting a family or kids going to school or retirement, and we know that we put together our plan uh, to to uh, uh, funnel our uh, uh, paychecks uh, that come in and funnel it into the different uh, pots that are necessary to be able to fund our, um, our uh, financial plan. So, you want to talk about your problems there? Give us a call. The number here is one eight 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 two eight one eleven ten. I'll repeat that number. It's one eight 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 two eight one eleven ten. Stay tuned. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. Hi, this is Colleen, producer of Get Rich Slow. Each week, we take calls from people just like you that have questions for our host, Jim McAleese. Oftentimes, Jim can't answer the questions in depth because of time restraints or the need for more detailed information. That's why we encourage you to call Cornerstone Consultants, Inc., the financial counseling service founded by Jim and Tama McAleese. Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. has helped thousands of clients get more for their money. Whether your financial goal is to avoid common investing mistakes, buying your next home, planning for retirement, finding that right mutual fund, or covering your assets with the right kind of insurance, Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. will guide you to wise financial choices. So call Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. for an appointment today at 440-647-2793. That number again, 440-647-2793. Now back to more Get Rich Slow. Ha, <laughs> 
Welcome back to Get Rich Flow. This is the way we learn <laughs> to do things in life. Hey, uh, to me, uh, you know, we, we talk about the big picture and uh, what's going on in the world. And, uh, uh, it's important not to lose sight of the, the two things that are happening right now. One is that we're getting out from under this COVID, uh, and the other one is that uh, uh, we've got uh, the government has got this economy and prime for a, a recovery, and uh, and also the, the the consumers and the workers are prime for recovery in the sense that you've kept your job, you've worked from home. You put your uh, stimulus money into the uh, bank, and uh, so you're sitting there looking and saying, "Well, uh, what a good boy am I? My my savings have gone up, my house has gone up in value. I think in the Cleveland area, the housing is going up at about uh, uh, right now about ten percent per year uh, on average, and uh, uh, my investments are going up." And uh, I'm getting ready to uh, feel free again because I haven't taken a vacation in over a year and I haven't been into a restaurant for so long. So you're, you're getting out. The big picture says that we're going into the recovery mode here. Uh, exactly how it's going to happen, you know, we've got 320 million people. So some people go at Early, some people will go later. So, um, Colleen, did we have a question there? We Lenny? did. We did. Um, Lenny gave us a call, and he wants to know uh, about uh, a housing issue. He has a house that he sometimes lived in, and sometimes he rented it out. And he wants to know if they were to sell it, how would the profit okay. on the house be taxed? How would that work out? Okay. Well, uh, basically, it, it, it's a, a sale of uh, rental property. It's a little complex. It isn't, it isn't uh, nuclear science, but it, it's a little complex in the sense that uh, if your property uh, was not your uh, primary uh, residence for at least two of the last five years, you won't qualify for a, a capital gains exclusion. And this capital gains exclusion basically allows you to shield something like $500,000 in profits. In other words, if you if you bought a house for uh, $200,000 and it's now worth uh, $500,000 over the last 20 years, uh, then you got $300,000 worth of capital gains there. And you can shield five hundred thousand dollars if you fall into this uh, uh, primary residence uh, exclusion thing. So, and uh, uh, the primary residence exclusion allows you to shield five hundred k in profits from the capital gains if you're married, and two hundred fifty thousand if you're single. So, uh, the rules. you know, the rules are saying, hey, you got to live in this house for at least two in the last five years. So it's something to take into consideration in your planning. Uh, do you want to move back into the house to get your two years? Uh, how do you want to do this versus the capital gains? You might not have that much capital gains, so you might not want to go through uh, jumping through hoops. But if you do have a lot of capital gains, and you don't have that two years uh, primary residence in the last five years, you might want to move back in to establish that uh, to get a hold of that uh, uh, capital gain exclusion thing. So now, if you've never... So so really what you got to do is talk to your tax person and have them sit down and talk you through the rules and regs, particularly... If you're in the, if you don't have that exclusion available to you, and if you're selling just rental property, then of course your uh, uh, profits, capital gains, losses are all categorized as either short-term, long-term, 
short-term profits are taxed at the same rates as ordinary income. Come long-term, capital uh, gains are taxed at somewhere between uh, zero and 20% uh, based upon where you're at in terms of your income. If your income is very low, then it's zero. If your income is where most people it is, it has 15%. And if your income is, uh, I forget, above three hundred to $400,000 a year, then you're in the 20%. So it depends upon the capital gains, depends upon your tax bracket. And uh, uh, the maximum uh, long-term capital gain is generally lower than the ordinary income tax for people selling real estate. So uh, the important thing is long-term, you have to have held on to the real estate for more than a year. And uh, another issue that uh, comes up, sometimes comes as a surprise, surprise to people that are selling uh, real estate is uh, depreciation and the recapture of depreciation. So uh, your own rental property, basically you're uh, claiming depreciation on the property, and uh, and you're claiming also all capital improvements that you made, and, and uh, uh, basically that depreciation is based on the cost of the asset and its useful life. Typically, it's for real estate, it's 27 and a half years to figure 30 years for a residential rental building. So, uh, so each year you're deducting from the income of the building, this depreciation number. So when you sell the building, you have to claim all, recapture the depreciation used over the full term of you owning the building, and that's taxed at a special depreciation rate of about 25%. So, um, and if you're really getting into uh, the uh, rental properties, you're probably familiar with the 1031 exchange rules where you can sell a property and purchase another property uh, as long as you use the money from the first property to buy the second property, and there's certain rules and regulations there, uh, then uh, you can uh, you can move that capital gain uh, down to the future. So... Uh, what do you call it? The tax evasion, tax avoidance. You can avoid. <laughs> you can avoid the uh, the capital gains tax uh, if you use that 1031 exchange. But always, if you're doing that, make sure you're dealing with people who know exactly how to use that 1031 exchange. It really met is the method of uh, avoiding paying that capital gain. Uh, on the sale of that particular property as long as you're reinvesting your money into something similar. And so you can you can use that for years and multiple properties, And uh, but be careful with it. So know the rules and regulations before you try to utilize that. So this is, I hope I answered your question. So if not, just give us a call. Uh, the the toll-free number is one 888 281-1110. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Get Rich Flow. This is your host this morning, Jim McAlee. Hey, uh, some of the things we're talking about, one of them was this uh, uh, new home construction. New home construction is, it has been, you know, it, it's been going on a, on a fast pace now since basically uh, March. In other words, basically last year with the... Uh, with the COVID situation, uh, the whole economy was shut down for March and April. And then uh, uh, one of the first parts of the economy that really jumped back uh, was the uh, housing. Uh, 
and that is post-existing housing as well as uh, new construction. And existing housing is, you know what that's doing. That, that's going up. Man. Your house prices are going up. Uh, you can sell a property fairly quickly nowadays, and uh, you might even get multiple bids on it. And uh, that's been the case in several of my clients. And uh, so, to me, uh, the other part of, uh, of the uh, real estate is the uh, new home construction. And uh, uh, suddenly, the uh, uh, you know, it's been obvious that new home construction is basically running into operational problems. You know, they've been complaining about uh, they can't find experience help. The lumber prices are up to... I think they're up to uh, uh, $1,000 per thousand linear foot. So here you're talking, I I don't know what the price of a two-by-four is anymore. <laughs> and I remember it uh, years and years ago, it was $2 for a two-by-four. And now I don't think you can buy a two-by-four for $2 anymore. So, uh, But to me, uh, this is... Uh, uh, it's running. Uh, they, they, the uh, supply chains are are basically being overloaded. They can't get the cabinets. They can't get the toilets. They can't get this and that. So what they're seeing in uh, February was that uh, the permits for the single family were down 10 percent. Uh, for the multifamily, they were down 11.6 percent. The starts for a uh, single family were down eight and a half percent. For a multifamily, were down fourteen percent, and the completions for the single family were up two point eight percent, and for the multifamily, they were up three percent. So suddenly, in February, uh, the numbers suddenly changed, and uh, um, the uh, if we compare. February of, uh, I just compared February to January, and if we compare February of this year uh, versus last year, what we see is uh, basically permits are up 15% uh, for single family, up 24.1% for multifamily. Starts were up six tenths of a percent for single family and and down 27.6% for multifamily. And that's an indication that the builders know where the money is. There's more money in the, in the single home construction than multi-homes, so they, they go where the money's at. And then the completions uh, for the single family are up 3.2%, and for the multifamily, they're up basically 13%. So if you just take a look at the uh, comparing January and February of this year to January and February of 2020, uh, permits, uh, single family up 16.5%, starts, single family up 6.4%, and completions up uh, 9.4%. So uh, to me, uh, it's getting to the point where uh, there's a big difference between the bigger difference between the uh, number of permits and the starts, which means that the uh, the permits are kind of a wish that we're going to try to do this. The starts actually that you you got to have the money uh, to do the starts, and in fact uh, I mentioned before uh, that uh, in some places where construction is is uh, going hot and heavy. Uh, some of my clients down in Florida indicated that uh, there are requirements that uh, the builders uh, cannot sell a house unless they can complete it in a certain period of time. You know, and they were stretching out the, the contracts for completion of the house uh, too long. So the communities had to step in and say, no, we're going to... We're gonna, uh, if you can't uh, get it done in a certain period of time, you can't sign a contract for the house. So it looks as if 
home construction may be running. Uh, I don't know about February's. February's numbers were a surprise, but they may be running into operational problems that are stretched to the limit in terms of their capabilities, lots, uh, buildable lots, and uh, supply chains. So we'll see what happens. Uh, it'll take a few more months. Uh, if I take a look and say, hey, what does the number of permits look like uh, versus uh, the permits in uh, uh, February? Uh, in uh, February, uh, the number of permits issued was for single families, it's strictly single family. Uh, approximately 70,800 permits were issued in February of 
and that area accounted for the bulk of the decline. Uh, capacity utilization also fell much more sharply than forecast. So uh, the total the total production volumes were down about 1.2 percent from February of uh, last year. In what is a definitive measure of the pandemic's effect on the uh, industrial economy, uh, like the sharp decline in retail sales posted earlier this, uh, this month, uh, the month of February looks certain to be an outlier. So what they expect is that uh, the uh, reduction was basically due to weather, and it'll it'll uh, uh, it won't appear next month. So. What we're seeing is that um, in February, uh, manufacturing decreased 3.1%, and uh, uh, durable goods manufacturing of, of that is durable, and then there's non-durable, and durable decreased 2.6%. And what you saw there was increases in steel production, uh, but decreases in fabricated metal parts and electronic equipment, and uh, also increases in aerospace. So a non-durable, that decreased 3.7%. Non-durable is, is primarily uh, food production and uh, oil refining and plastic production, things of this nature. <clears throat> and you would expect that to be down because of the, uh, uh, the problems in uh, Texas and the other places. So, and you also take a look at the... Uh, uh, Philadelphia. Philadelphia manufacturing output. I'll give you just a few hits from that. Uh, new orders. Uh, 57% of the uh, company surveyed said that new orders for uh, March were better than uh, February. Uh, shipments. 44% said shipments were up for March. Unfilled orders, which is the backlog. 35% said that their backlogs are increasing. And uh, 32% said that the delivery times are stretching out and the prices paid are going up. So what you're seeing there is it costs money and time and effort to throttle up an economy. So it isn't like we're just stepping on the gas. So uh, this is going to be uh, a good time. Uh, in terms of the recovery, uh, there'll be there'll be a lot of problems, but the uh, uh, the problems hopefully will be solvable problems, and there'll be a prof- there'll be a profit uh, to be made by solving the problem. It'll be in the supply chains and the and the workforce and everything else. So this is all part of uh, of a recovery. So this is Jim McAleese. You're listening to uh, Get Rich Slow. I'll be right back. Stay tuned. Welcome back to Get Rich Slow. As spring comes, the world is rebound, and we too should shake off the winter and dream of new beginnings. There should be no limits to our dreams and our goals. We can achieve anything we can imagine because... We're special. And being special, there are things to remember and one thing to never forget. Always remember your presence is a presence to the world, that you are unique and one of a kind, and that your life can be what you want it to be. If you take the days just one at a time, you need to remember to count your blessings, not your troubles, and trust that you will make it through whatever comes along. Remember that within you are many answers. You just need to understand, to have the courage, and to be strong. Always remember not to put limits on yourself. So many dreams are waiting to be realized. Remember that decisions are too important to leave to chance. You need to reach for your peak, your goal, your pride. Always remember, nothing wastes more energy than worrying, and the longer one carries a problem, the heavier it gets. And remember, don't take things too seriously. You need to live a life of serenity, not a life of regrets. Always remember that a little love 
goes a long way, and remember, a lot goes forever. Remember that friendship is a wise investment, and life treasures are the people. Always remember that it's never too late, and try to do ordinary things in an extraordinary way. Enjoy your health, your hope, your happiness. Remember, you need to take the time to wish upon a star, and don't ever forget, even for a day, how special you are. Be all that you can be, and don't go to your grave. Your music still inside you. And until we meet again next week for more of Get Rich Slow, may God protect you and keep you safe. You have been listening to Get Rich Slow with host Jim McAleese. For an outline and registration form regarding the Money School series, call 440-647-2793. For a complete list of books written by Tama McAleese, call 440-647-2793. Or to make an appointment with Jim regarding your own personal financial issues, call 440-647-2793. Jim will be back with Get Rich Slow next Saturday morning on 1420 WHK with more common sense finance strategies for financial winners. Securities and investment advisory services are offered through Next Financial Group, Inc., a member of FINRA and SIPC. Cornerstones Consultant, Inc. is not an affiliate of Next Financial Group, Inc. The preceding program's views, claims, or representations may not reflect those of AM 1420 The Answer or Salem Media Group.